Praise God. Welcome to everyone tonight. Glad to have you in service with us. If you are a guest, we do welcome you. If you're watching us somewhere online, we welcome you tonight, wherever you may be. And Bishop and Mother Wright are in uh, Oregon with Brother Jim Dillon, one of our board of trustees, and ordaining him this weekend as a bishop. And so that's where they are so keep them in your prayers and their travels and god would continue to use them and bless them praise god amen you uh may be seated if the sound room would be so kind as to turn my ipad on i realize this has been uh kind of chopped up here the last several um the last month or so uh, from when I started into this topic, and so uh, we will, I want to just a little bit of reminder as we get to some uh, new direction or additional direction I feel for tonight. I, I threw out these three words about a month ago, vision, purpose, and identity, and again, uh, it's easy for us to focus on vision, where we're going. Our purpose is our, our place in that vision. But our, our identity, who we are, has to be the foundation, has to be uh, what all of that is built on. As I have said now several times, our identity must come from who we are and not from what we do. It comes from who we are, not what our position is, not what our role is not what our current ministry is or is not. Our identity is settled. The second session or second week I taught along these lines, I shared with you ultimately our identity comes from the fact that we are sons of God. That's who we are. That's what gives us our worth. That's what gives us our value. I realize there are other things that we do and, and, and whatever, but at, at, the, at the bottom line of who we are, we've got to be... Our worth has got to come from, I am a son of God. You didn't earn that. You didn't deserve that. You were born into that, just like you were born into whatever natural position, natural family you were born into. So vision is the act or power of anticipating that which will or may, to, may come to be. The common verse we often use with vision is, where there is no vision, the people perish. We need to know. We need a God-given vision of where we're going. We need that collectively as a church. And I believe every one of us needs that individually in our lives. You've got to have some place you're going. Our purpose is the reason for which something, our purpose is the reason for which something exists or is done. It's made, it's used, etc. And so every one of us has a God-given purpose. Your God-given purpose is not to just come to church three times a week and be a good Christian. That's not your purpose, and I'll probably come back to this in a little while. If that is your purpose, it's not going to be very effective for very long. Every one of us has a purpose. Obviously, some of us have purposes that are similar. We have ministries that are called to do similar things, but all of us have a purpose. So vision is where we are going, where you are going. Purpose is what you were created to do. Purpose is what is my contribution to the vision. Purpose is what did God equip me to do to contribute to the vision. To fulfill my purpose, I've got to be comfortable with who I am. What, not just what I'm created to do, but I've also got to be comfortable with what I wasn't created to do. It's one thing to, to have an idea of what, it's, it's one thing for me to have, a, have an idea that I was created, that part of what I was created for is to be a preacher. <laughs> it's another thing to understand there are some things about who I'm supposed to be that I'm supposed to accept I'm not somebody else. We, we, we you know, we're, we're doing this, um, I don't know what time y'all got out of church the last couple of weeks. I think a couple of weeks ago with Mother Wright, 
you probably got a little spoiled if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm not too sure. So I'm back. Like it or not, I'm back. I'm home. So we're just taking our time here. So <laughs> we're, we're doing this, this, we do this Antioch ministerial licensing uh, process. I don't really want to call it a program, but a process. And, and it's for those that feel like they're called uh, beyond, uh, they're, they're called to ministry. I know all of us have a ministry. We all are in, if you have the Holy Ghost, you are a minister. But obviously there, there are different things God calls different people to. And so I don't want to say just call to preach because that's kind of the category we usually put it in. So it's not about just being called to preach, but they, they feel like there's something that's driving them beyond just a, 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 a normal level of ministry, if you will. And so it's it's a very we year a couple of years ago now presented to all of you, but we, we've we've got people involved in that process. And so what happens is that they they come to us and they say, I feel like I'm called, um, whatever. I feel I'm going to just say it that way. I feel like I'm called, <laughs> and and so we start this process. And and if we accept them into this process, we give them what's called an accountability partner. And, and that is, that is a licensed minister that is a part of Antioch. But what we do is, we do not give them an accountability partner that is their elder. And, and for my involvement in that decision, here's my number one motive in that. You need variety. You need variety. What The way your congregation elder does it is not the only way to do it. What I do and how I do it is not the only way to do it. I mean this in a very positive way. Very positive way. What Bishop does and how he does it is not the only way to do it. Thank God, because most of us would be in serious trouble. So, I, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just going to touch on it and remind because some of you need to hear it again, especially those of you that are called to preach and and developing as preachers. Some of you got you got this this crazy idea from things Bishop communicated that when it's your turn to preach, you're supposed to just get up there when it's time to preach and it's going to come. So you bring no notes, you bring you bring a Bible, but no notes, nothing else, because you're just going to get up there and flow. I need to verify this, but I think this is probably a pretty safe thing to say. Forty plus years ago, I doubt Bishop just got up and flowed. He may not have written out the whole message he was that, but but I doubt he did then the way he does it now. And it's a dangerous thing when those of you that are just starting out are trying to do what somebody's been doing for forty years. Well, I, I ain't got no notes. Sometimes you need some notes. I've had, I, 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 I think the second time I was in the Philippines, if I'm not mistaken, I, I got the gist that maybe this is a little bit of a common thing to do. This, this guy came up to me after service and, and, and he said, can I have your notes? I'm like, sure, if you want them, I don't know how much good, because all it is is about five or six I don't, I can't imagine, I, I, I don't know how, what I would do to try to sit down and type out a message in advance. I also know I've received some words from God from some people that they don't do it the way I do it. So it's not just about finding out who I am, but it's also being comfortable with who I'm not. Do, do you, I, I, some of y'all, and I know some of y'all been around a long time, but I, do you understand that, that what I just did to Sister Jan tonight 
in my mind is something I, I, I mean, that's, that's Scott Shelton, that's Danny Hood, that's. You know what's kind of funny? Is at 43, after I finally become way more, I'm not saying I'm completely there, but after I've become way more settled than ever before with who I am, what I was waiting to try to do 20 years ago, I find it happening more and more now. 20 years ago, as broad as it was, I wanted God to tell me to tell Sister Jan, ashes for beauty. He ain't tell me nothing. See, the problem was, my identity wasn't settled. And I was looking that to give, to do that to give me my identity. I know, I, I've said this before, forgive me for saying again tonight, if you, I'm going to stop saying that because y'all don't remember what I said before. Every preacher thinks that, but we, we ought to know better. Remember this illustration one time in a youth worker seminar I was in. They said, that, because we all had our note papers and our pens, and they said, name the, name the five most impacting sermons, messages you've heard in your life. This was a UPC. This wasn't some, this was UP. The titles of the five most impacting, and, and I know there have been some. I know there was some, and, and some folks and got, you know, one or two down, and then they said, now name the five most impacting people in your life. And pencils went, pens went crazy. That's why, again, I've come to the, to the goal of ministry is planting seeds. So even if you don't remember anything I said tonight, hopefully a seed got in your spirit, and in the right time, God will develop it to produce something in your life. The good thing for my pride is when you need what I'm telling you tonight, you won't remember where it came from. I remember it was about, uh, is this all right? I know, I know. I remember, it was probably about two or three years ago. I can remember one. I don't remember the topic. <laughs> but I had just taught something on like a Thursday night. And about, about two or three weeks later, Bishop was teaching. And he taught like the exact same thing I taught a couple weeks before. And I'm looking around watching people going, wow. <laughs> Service was over and I hear, well, that was good stuff tonight, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah, it was good stuff two weeks ago too. Now I have no idea where I was and what got me into all of that. Oh, now I do. Thank you, Jesus, for that. It should be shorter. I, 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 we, we get so focused in some of these areas that we discount what and how God works in us and through us individually. And again, the revelation I got years ago, it's taken a while to really truly settle in, but if, if, if God never used me to call somebody out and one-on-one -on -one read their mail, but I get up and I preach a message, and, and people walk out of here saying, or somebody comes up and says, you won't believe this, this afternoon I was just in a conversation and you just said everything today, or you just answered questions I asked today, is that any less... If David would have gone out to fight Goliath with Saul's sword, he would have lost. He had to go out, as intimidating as it may have been, and compared to everybody else, as 
insignificant as it may have been, he had to be comfortable with who he was and go out and do what God had called him to do the way, the way God called him to do it. you got to find out who you are. And the good thing is, God made you enough. That God made you enough. If you don't do what somebody else does, but you do what God called you to do, it's enough. That's the beauty of the body. It's all of these members that God puts together because when we come together, we make a pretty awesome whole. So your purpose is what you were created to do. Again, your identity is who you are. Now, I want to jump ahead here. I, I, I said to you, those of you that were here, the first night I launched out into this, this was all, this is all birthed out of something God has been doing in me the last couple of months that started when Brother Schutz was here the very first weekend. And these two statements, I've combined them sort of on the same slide, but they're not intended to be one statement. These two statements... The very first Saturday evening, he was here for the first weekend of the tent revival. In our conversation we were having, he made this statement to me, Without identity, you lack purpose. Without purpose, you lack assurance. And then also, when you don't know who you are, you lose confidence. When you don't know who you are and what your purpose is, you lose confidence in what you're doing. When you don't have your identity settled and then an understanding of what your purpose is based on your identity, your confidence is a roller coaster. There's not a one of us that God uses that aren't extremely thankful for the fact that there's a lot of times in our lows... God's anointing and God's grace makes up for the valley that we're in. If the only time you could ever preach is when you're on the mountaintop, there'd be a lot of services with no preaching. The only time you could ever worship, lead worship in a church service is when you are absolutely, completely connected and on fire, there would be a lot of services with no worship leader. I'm not about being a hypocrite, but there are some times if the motive is right, you got to fake it till you make it. <laughs> the luxury you have, you've got elders sitting out here that lead congregations on Sunday mornings and Sunday night, but on Thursday night, depending the scenario on Sunday night, the luxury you have of sitting out there is you don't have to fake it. And unfortunately, some of you don't. I wish you would sometimes. Just one service. I need to, I need to pay the guys on the platform to do that. Just one service. Just, just. Come on, guys, let's all act like we do not want to be here. I mean, what, I know, I'm sorry, I've used it before, but I mean, what would you think tonight if the whole time Sister Trish was up there? So y'all can do that. You have that luxury. Those up here do that, and it's, what's wrong with them? I don't know what's wrong with you. 
So maybe you have the false assumption that because we always are on fire for Jesus, it's all good. No. You have no idea what's going on in the mind. You better do something now, God. Which is also, which is also the reason why a bunch of you never get anything. Because you're just waiting until he comes by and unloads a heavenly blessing on you. And when he does, you'll do something. Others of us have learned, again, I'm not talking about hypocrisy, but if I'll just do something whether I feel like it or not, at some point he will respond to me and it won't be a put on. It won't be just obligation or duty. He's going to meet me where I am. I've said this a couple different scenarios lately. We, 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 have a, we, have a, we have this challenge, and it seems to me like going back to the first several years when it was meat before it became manifest, that there was a word that we heard often throughout a lot of different meat meetings, and, and that was the word motive. See, we got, this, we got this problem, folks. We judge most of the time by actions. But God sees something beyond action. God sees motive. And we better be careful in jumping to assumptions or conclusions by actions because God may know the motive. Here's my standard example I'm now using for this scenario. The actions of dancing and shouting all across the front of this sanctuary, actions-wise, look good. Seem good. I mean, if any one of you, especially right now while I'm teaching, came up here and just had yourself a Holy Ghost fit, we would all be impressed. But what if the motive was... I'm struggling. I'm backslidden. I'm on my way out of here. But I'm not ready for everybody to know that yet, so I'm just going to get me a little praise on. (laughs) Same action. I know I'm messing with some of your minds right now. Same action. Hey, I, all right, you don't like my example. Let me give you Jesus' example. Fellas, you're impressed with all the rich people and all the rich offerings they've just been given. That widow woman who just gave a little bit did way more than what they did. I know the problem with that is it takes it out of our hands. Because not only do I not know your heart, you don't even know your own heart. How'd I get off on all that? I don't know. (laughs) So back to... Purpose. We've touched on identity. I want to touch a little bit tonight, shifting a little bit. John eighteen thirty seven. So Pilate asked him, Are you a king? This is the new good news translation. Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose, to speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. King James puts that passage for this cause. The good news says, for this purpose. He knew what, not only did he know who he was, but he knew why he was here. you got to get beyond you're a son of God. Why are you a son of God? See, I'm, this is Thursday night. We're not talking about just salvation tonight, okay? 
That that's that's settled. All right. I know getting to heaven and all that, but but we're beyond that on Thursday night. Amen. Amen. Why are you here? For what purpose were you born? Jesus said, "For this cause was I born. For this purpose was I born." So, if nothing else, let's put it this way: For what purpose beyond salvation were you born again? Again, you're not just saved to be a good Christian and come to church. You're not saved to just be a son of God. You were saved for a purpose. So get settled who you are and now do what your purpose is to do. And I, I, I know, I know, again, it's Thursday night. And so because it's Thursday night, the, the, the majority, the majority of people here tonight are involved in some kind of ministry, some type of ministry. You're involved in some type of ministry. But you know what? You can still be involved in ministry and not have settled and be secure in your purpose. That's why some of you jump from one thing to the next. Because you can't get settled what you're supposed to do. So you're looking for the next thing to do. For this cause was I born. This is my purpose. Not only do I know that it's not based on what I do. I don't have to turn stones into bread. I don't have to do any, any, any miracles to prove who I am. I am who I am. But now I also know why it is that I am here. So those, the last couple of weeks, I've touched a lot on this idea that our worth, our value comes from our identity. Again, it's not from what you do. Remind you of my quarter analogy. Whether it's in your pocket, in your purse, on the ground, on the shelf, in Goodwill, in Nordstrom, it doesn't matter. A quarter maintains the same worth, the same value. There's quarters that have been sitting in a little container on the shelf in my closet for months. There's probably a couple of them that may have been there for a year or more. The value of that quarter is no less today than it was the day I dropped it in that container. So if God's using you right now and you're active, or if God, God, not you by your own stubbornness or whatever, if God has set you on a shelf for a while, it doesn't change your worth, your value. In, in, the, in, the, in the purity of the principle, I realize in our natural minds it's not quite this way, but in the, in, 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 the, in the purity of what I'm saying when it comes to our worth and our identity, I, as the one behind this podium tonight, have no more value than anyone else in the building. No one. It would be complete chaos if 50 of us were up here tonight trying to all teach at the same time. So obviously, and tonight, and, and where we are, God's got a person to speak. But that doesn't make the speaker more valuable than Brother Alders back there who's being an usher. Or some kid that doesn't even have a clue what I'm talking about right now. That's value and worth. I'm a son. Motivation comes from my purpose. Now whether this stuff is good or bad, I didn't get this anywhere else, okay? Let's settle that. Not copy and pasting from a book, from the internet. So good or bad, good or bad, this is... I'm just saying that because I don't want you to, some of you to get the impression I'm just trying to give you some kind of psychological babble here tonight. So, I know this is a common word, but motivation, according to Webster's, means this. It is the act or process of giving someone a reason for doing something. It is the act or process of motivating someone. 
It is the condition of being eager to act or work, the condition of being motivated, a force or influence that causes someone to do something. It's not good enough to just know your identity. You've got to know your purpose. Because if you're going to get active, it's not going to be based simply on who you are. It's going to be based on your purpose. And what motivates you is your purpose. Let me, let me see if I can use it, explain it this way. If you are enrolled in college, if you are enrolled, your bill is paid, you signed up for classes, you are a student. Whether you go to class or not, until they put you out, you're a student. If you go sit and sleep through the class, you're a student. If you go and sit on the front row and soak in every word of the, of the professor, you're a student. If you get an A, you're a student. If you get a B, you're a student. If you get an F, you're a student. Your identity is settled. Sign up, pay your money, you're a student. But there's got to be something that motivates you to do something. Most, I know there's probably a couple of you here tonight that are one of those lifelong students. I don't mean lifelong learning. We all need to be that. But I mean, literally, you'd be just as happy as could be to be in college every semester for the rest of your life. I don't like you at all. I didn't want to be there when I had to be, and I definitely don't. Every now and then I thought about a, you know, a, a master's degree in something. I'm like, nah. <laughs> now, I'll keep learning, I'll keep growing, but it ain't going to be sitting in a college class again. <laughs> I know some of you, you, that's you. And I mean, you're just as happy as can be to be a student sitting there. But that's only a small percentage of people that is, that the fact that they just want to be there, that's all they need. There, there's some that need a parent saying, if the parent's paying the bill, <clears throat> unless you get acceptable grades, I will not, con- that, that's, that's some motivation. <laughs> My purpose is get a diploma. I've got some motivation. So, so here's the, here's the struggle. I understand. I, I don't remember who it was, brother, you, maybe you do. Maybe it was you, actually, that coined the phrase, the purity of the principle. Was that you? No? I thought the mayor. Somebody did. Somebody, but, but Bishop, and many of us have used it now for a while, the purity of the principle. I understand the purity of the principle is that as Christians, as disciples, we should not have to be motivated to pray. We should not have to be motivated to read our Bibles. We shouldn't have to be motivated to come to church. In the purity of the principle, that's what we Christians do. All right, let's go. uh, Well, I don't want to go to hell. That works for a couple days, maybe a few weeks. I can remember, some of you were around then, but I can remember in 1988, I had been, my, whole, my parents and my brother and I had been in California visiting my uncle. My parents came home, and I stayed out there an extra week by myself. And that was 1988, and that was the year of 88 reasons why Jesus was coming in 88. There was a book that was out that was written, and it was 88 reasons why in 1988, on September the 12th, Jesus was coming back. And so there was a lot of people that had heard about it, read it, were, and, and, and it was this church never said, Bishop never said that that was the case, that that was happening. 
But a lot of people heard about it. A lot of people got worried about it. And I came, actually came home, and it was while I was still out there that it all kind of came out. I came home to be informed by one of my friends. Did you know Jesus is coming September 12th? Like, no, I thought my brother was having a birthday that day, but I didn't know. <laughs> and over those next couple of weeks, how many of you are around in 88, here in Antioch, you're 88, when this was the auditorium, there was no second floor, it was just one floor, and the platform was right about over there where Brother you and Brother Mott and Brother Whittington are, and chairs were actually set up facing that way, there's a couple sections of beautiful burnt orange pews. You've seen some of them on the archive if you've been able to catch some of the word cast in the archives. And then and then actually on each side for a while, the two sides, there were there were two there was there was a section on each side of those good old brown metal folding chairs. <laughs> I remember leading the for several weeks leading up to September twelfth, the church was packed. I had, I had friends, kids raised in the church, but up to that point, you know, they really hadn't connected very much. They came the poster child for altar workers. They weren't letting you leave church until you had gone to the altar and repented and prayed again, because we only got a couple of weeks. I, I heard supposedly, not here, supposedly in some places there were young people that ran out and got married because it was only a couple weeks ago and they weren't going to be able to get married. <laughs> Honest truth, I'm telling you, I heard that. Problem was, the problem was, Jesus did not come back September the 12th 1988, and it only took several weeks for the lack of motivation of the rapture to wear off, and it didn't matter what some individual's identity was, they stopped doing what they should be doing because there was no motivation. Again, I ought to come to church every service and worship and do my part simply because I am an individual follower of Jesus Christ. I should not be here three times a week because I am senior pastor. I should not worship in a service because I am senior pastor. I should not do any of those things because of my role. I should do them simply as an individual. But again, unless you're just an angel in disguise, there's not a one of us in this place tonight that don't need motivation. We don't, that there's not a one of us that doesn't need something that we are striving for. And so, yes, I need to know who I am and, and what, no matter what I'm doing, what, what, whatever my position or role is, my worth and my value is established. I am a son of God, but I've got to find something to do because otherwise I'm not going to do anything. And things that I should be do, should be doing, I will struggle doing without the proper motivation. I know I'm being a little bit too honest and transparent for some of you. I'm sorry. I'm striving to be what you are. I am not there yet. That, that's why. That's why you you need one of not, not the reason one of. The reasons why you need to be involved in ministry. Again, please, I, I, I'm, I, I understand. Whatever. I, I know this is completely ridiculous, but there, there was no, there was no contemplation this afternoon of whether or not I was coming tonight. I had a staff meeting this morning. I had another several hour meeting after that. I had a wedding, hour and a half wedding rehearsal this afternoon. Had to take a daughter to a doctor's appointment. Trying to do some stupid crash diet for a week and lose a bunch of weight. And I am starving to death and got no energy. And 
three mornings now, I've drank black coffee. You know how nasty that is? Black coffee. You just need discipline, moderation. And I know I'm getting there, but let me just get a jump start on that. I ran home, I changed clothes, I came straight to church trying to finalize. I didn't, I didn't stop by my house to change clothes. You know what, I just, man, I don't know. <laughs> Boy, it's been a long day. I am, it's been a long week. I, I got one more day of this week. I know, you sit there, you say, well, Brother Wright, that's stupid. You don't have a choice. And guess what? You're basically right. I guess I can call in sick like... You're right, I don't have a choice. That's the mixed blessing of responsibility. It takes away the choice. So again, completely, you know, just pure, wonderful children standing before God, I I, I shouldn't contemplate or question whether I have responsibility or not. But we do. Thank you for one honest person over there. We do. We do. But when my purpose is clear, and I know what I'm supposed to be doing, there's a lot of things, a lot of actions that will take place that would not normally take place without the same motivation. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 9.24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run. Why? So run. Why? Why run? The too small to read. Why run? It's right after so run. Why run? That you may obtain. We have anybody here? To, I, I think I've asked this in times past. Forgive me for using it again. We got anybody here tonight that you are a you are a runner? You enjoy running, jogging. You just you enjoy. A couple of you. Notice in a crowd of about two hundred fifty plus people, we got about two or three people that enjoy running. Where are you going? I'm going to run. What are you running to? Oh, I'm just running. Now let me let me ask this: How many of you run at all on a regular basis? You do run regular basis at all? Oh man, nobody. One, a couple more of you. Not just to run, though, right? You're trying to get in shape. You're trying to maintain shape. Paul's saying, "Don't just run to run. Run to get something. Run to get somewhere." If you're going to run, there needs to be an aim. There needs to be a goal. There needs to be a destination. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in... Hmm. Every man that striveth... I feel a... I feel a... A trail... Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So does it mean if you're not temperate in all things, you're not striving for mastery? If you're content to just come to church and not exercise temperance throughout your life, you're not striving for mastery. You may be a faithful saint, you may be a faithful church attender, But if you are striving for mastery, you are temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that's beating the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. 
I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Why? Lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I'm not just bringing my body under subjection because I'm supposed to bring my body under subjection. How many of you know, believe you've got some degree of need in your life as a believer, as a Christian, to fast? Basically every hand in this place. I know you're not going to want to do this. But how many of you outside of a corporately called fast have have fasted a I don't mean from breakfast to dinner. But in the last days weeks you you fasted. How many of you? Let me see your hands. One more time. Let's let's try this. Now, my hand was up the second time to show you I wanted hands. I will clarify. My hand is not up because I have fasted, okay? So let's, let's, clear, let's clarify that. Now that we have that, let's try this again. Those of you that know there's some degree of need, responsibility, whatever, in your life as a believer to fast, let me see your hands. That's, that's 95 plus percent. Those of you that have done some degree of serious fasting in the last days or weeks, let me see your hand. That's, that's not even a third. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. If I stood up here tonight and I called a corporate fast, a majority of people would participate. If I got up tonight and called a God-awful 21-day Daniel fast, <laughs> exactly, then I'd hear, Why don't we, can't we just go meal to meal? Can't we, I'd rather just go straight through than this stupid Daniel fast. We will probably never do another straight-through fast in this church. It will always be a Daniel fast because the stuff that brings out is way more than just starving yourself to death. You see, again, and and one more time, just so you don't feel judgment from me. I haven't fasted in the last couple of weeks either, okay? You know what, back to that motive thing, I'm doing what I've done the last couple days except for the coffee, which, let me tell you something, drinking, I know a bunch of y'all drink it, but drinking black coffee is just, that's punishment, I'm just telling you. Well, why are you drinking it? Because I don't want a headache. Well, that means you're addicted to caffeine. I know, why do you think I'm drinking the coffee? I'm trying, I know, I'm making sure those of you that are all high and mighty know, and then the rest of you that are like me, I'm just trying to help you out. We're all in the same boat. I know that if I get a headache from not drinking coffee, that means I know that, I know that. And I am not prepared to get off of my addiction as long as I can have my cream and sugar to go with it. The last couple of days, basically without the coffee, have been a Daniel fast. Except I ain't getting no credit in heaven. <laughs> we, we know what to do. But we need some purpose to motivate us to do. The majority of the adults in this room, especially middle-aged and older, are aware of the fact you need exercise. A lot of ways you need it probably now more than you did when you were younger. And a lot of us, until there's some kind of major crisis, doctor says, you better or else. 
Why? Because we lack the motivation. So I've come to challenge you tonight. And again, I know I've already said it. And I realize the majority of people I'm teaching, preaching, rambling to tonight, whatever the case is, are, are in view. You, you, you're sitting there, Brother Wright, I, I have my purpose. Maybe. Maybe you do. So maybe tonight I'm here to give you a reminder. Don't quit that purpose. Don't give up that purpose because that purpose helps to keep you moving. It helps you to keep doing things you should do without the purpose, but the purpose helps you to do it. And those of you that don't want the inconvenience of purpose, purpose can be a great blessing in helping you get to heaven. He says, I do that because if after all of that, I don't want to become, this is my, you see, can I just say it like this? From what I read, from what Paul says right here, he is not giving us necessarily some super spiritual, amazingly noble motivation for what he does. I do this because after I do this, I don't want to become this. I don't bring my body under subjection because I need to be more. It's not what he was saying, at least if I read it, understand it the way I read it. Message Bible, you've all been to the, set, to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard. For the finish line, I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. I have a purpose to not only tell others about it, but also to experience it. Not to just point the way, but help lead others to get there. And so I, I, I don't always pray just because... I ought to pray. I don't always pray because as a Christian I should pray. Sometimes I pray because I know I've got to stand before a group of people and I need to hear something from God. I need something to deliver. And there have been a few days, sorry if this bothers you, but there's been a few days I may not have prayed had I not had the purpose which motivated me to pray. See, here's the problem, and I, I think I'm closing. <laughs> our, our problem is a lot of times when what we believe and what we're doing as our purpose is producing pressure, the solution is get rid of that purpose. Listen to me, please. I know I've been going a while. Please listen. Some of you need to hear me right now. The the, the weight of responsibility, the obligations, the expectations of that purpose produce pressure. And so we decide to eliminate that so that we can get rid of the pressure. Rather than, if, if I think my purpose is causing pressure, maybe it's actually not my purpose. Maybe it's other things that are got demands upon my life and my time. And so rather than giving up my purpose that's helping to motivate me and going to get me saved, why don't I give up some of these more superficial temporal things I know we were busier than it was it was kind of funny today and I w- I am the I'm doing uh, Adam and Sarah's wedding tomorrow so uh, in the rehear- I was doing it some myself I'm not casting stones but it was very it was very funny to watch today as the guys that are in the wedding party during the rehearsal, were all basically standing there while 
all of the instruction and whatever was going on, they were all standing there like this. My wife, who was organizing, leading the wedding, she said it several times. Guys, stay on your phones, just stay in the right place. <laughs> See, we, 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 we're busier than ever. We're busier than ever. Except if we really would stop from time to time and evaluate what we're so busy with. There's a lot of what is demanding on our time that is strictly temporal, that has no eternal impact. You see, here, here's the thing. I can be involved in ministry and it be a purpose, but it not be my ultimate purpose. I mean that in the sense of priority, I guess, if I could put it that way. Oh, I, I have purpose in the kingdom, but I, I also have a career, I got a family, I got my life. So I, I've got purpose, but it's, it's mixed in with a lot of other purposes. Amazing thing about Jesus, he said something along these lines, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And then he said, seek ye first. The kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. I, I, I've been able to experience it enough myself to know that it really works and I'm very thankful for it. When I really truly put him ahead of every him, him, him. I didn't say, I didn't say ministry ahead of, I said him. When I put him ahead of everything else, he really does have this amazing way of of, of, of multiplying, seemingly to multiply my time. To provide opportunities that otherwise didn't seem to be there. But for that to happen, my purpose. Let, let, me, let me close with this. I wasn't, I was originally going to read it and then I, so let me, let me close with this. I don't know if you can read this or not. It's for my benefit, not yours. So <laughs> Romans 12 and 1. Romans 12, because again, there's, I think, about 10 full-time staff members for Antioch, the Apostolic Church right now. About 10. 250 people or so here tonight, 10 people full-time at the church. The rest of you work secular employment in addition to what you do ministry-wise. And so, I love the way the Message Bible says this, Romans 12 and 1, you all know King James, beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies, be not conformed. So listen to the way the Message Bible says it. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday life. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Take your ordinary, everyday life. So that means for the majority of you tonight that do not work full-time, your, your source of income is not derived from ministry. What's your purpose? Is your job and career, is that your purpose? Is that your purpose? Ultimately, only you and Jesus, I think, know that. My point to you is, you can do all of those things that life demands and requires of you. But if what you have decided is, first and foremost, my ultimate purpose is God's purpose for me. i got to do all these things. I can't not do these things. You can't not get up and go to work tomorrow, unless you're sick or on vacation. you got to do those things. But you can take those things and make those things a part of the fulfillment of who you are and what you're called to do. Stand, please. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. Perhaps others like myself, God, are 
maybe in a season, still in a season of some things being solidified in our hearts and our lives about who we are in you, our identity being established, being secured, being solidified. For those of us that need that process and needed to continue, I pray that you would continue that. But I also pray tonight you would help us to each be renewed, those that already know to be renewed, those that may have yet to really find what it is, give them the direction to find their purpose, God, because it just seems to be part of our human nature, the way you created us. We need some things to motivate us beyond just the purity of principles that govern our lives. And so that we will be more than just confident in who we are, but we can fulfill what we're called to do, I pray, God, that you would provide the necessary motivations in our life, that we would not be content to just simply settle with knowing what we are, who we are, but beyond that, we want to be involved in whatever aspect, whatever area, whatever role that you have created us to be in. Help us tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Those of you that are going to Youth Congress, and again, your parents, please head to the chapel as quickly as possible so that the meeting can get started. God bless you. Pray you have a blessed remainder of your week in Jesus' name.